Are you a business-to-business -business sales leader looking to lead your sales team to new heights? You've come to the right place. Welcome to the Purpose Driven Sales Podcast. Hi, my name is Josh Sweeney, joined by my co-host, Taylor Barnes. Taylor, how are you? I'm well, thank you, but I've got a bit of a backlog here. And the backlog is because I don't let a damn person send something without having someone else review it. Have you ever been in that situation? Yeah, that sounds like a good challenge. I mean, it's it's a QA issue, but on the sales side, right? So I think the sales leader challenge here is how do they ensure that proposals and other documents are going out without errors? That's exactly right. And I mean, look, as, as, as much as we want to say, this looks great. Look at this. There, there's no way they're going to say no to this. Having an extra set of eyes on something, whether it's part of a QA, whether it's part of a peer-to-peer -peer review, or some sort of extra set of eyes just getting on it before, before it goes out is extremely important in your QA process to make sure, like you said, Josh, that it doesn't keep coming back, that it doesn't say, hey, that's not right, that's not right. The, the burden of the requote process is so painful and, and it's such an attribute to that backlog. You want to do everything you can on the front end to make sure that it sticks. Yeah, most definitely. And I mean, I think there's lots of reasons this happens, but I like, you know, starting with kind of the personality of the person. I mean, we are dealing with salespeople. Most of them are pretty fast paced and creative and really and pioneering and they really get after it. And I would say, I know, in, at least in my own case, all of those attributes mean that, you know, perfect is the enemy of good. And so you get things out a little too quickly sometimes when that happens though. So you write it once, you review, you go through it and you're ready to get that out. You want to get this deal closed. You need to get it to them rapidly so you can move on to the next thing. And that causes some issues because maybe you don't review it yourself. You, you don't take the time to go back through it, even though nine times out of 10, it probably has errors if you don't self-review at least one or two times. Yeah, exactly. And, and and it's a delicate balance because as we know, one of the better KPIs on deal closing probability is to get the proposal in the customer's hands as fast as possible, right? That is a legitimate thing. It needs to be balanced, however, with like you said, uh, making sure that the careless mistakes are at a minimum. And I, I get that we have a backlog, especially when you've got an entire sales floor breathing down your neck. Where's my proposal to get it to the customer as fast as possible? There is such a balance that you need to make sure from a quality versus speed point of view, both are equally important. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's, it's important to balance that out because I know if I get off a call and I'm like, Hey, I'm going to get you that proposal today. And I've got 12 more meetings lined up that day. I have 30 minutes to get that proposal done or, or I have to push it out till later or some other scenario. So if I get it done, then the next step is, well, I need to send it to somebody else for review. And that's mm -hmm. going to take more time. You know, does it get to them today as I promised them? So like you said, I mean, another reason this happens and things go out with errors is you know, we want to get that in the hands of the client as quickly as possible, but there is that balance. So what's yeah. another reason why this happens? Yeah. Well, I think you've probably experienced this. I think a lot of the re another reason why it doesn't happen is because people are a little bit timid or a little bit uh, unattracted to the peer-to-peer -peer review because potentially of the personality type that's in the peer-to-peer -peer review process. So let me give you an example. 
let's say that we have a very right-minded sales focused client savvy, you know, designer that wants to get it in the customer's hands with the proposal as fast as possible. And he puts in your standard notes and assumptions and gets a price out there and he's good to go. If he needs to pass that over to a very left brain focused analytical heavy your risk averse individual well then that risk averse individual might just redline the crap out of that document (laughs) before it gets back out and that can be pretty debilitating for a team so you know i think a lot of it also josh comes down to the personality type yeah definitely because i mean when you when you send it over to that person now you have to explain context and what you're positioning (laughs) and you know there's all kinds of things that come in and you're like i just need this to go out the door right you know they're going to come back with with changes anyway so you know like it's a simple simple job we're just going to go there shake some hands and remove why do you have this entire loads of assumptions on there that that have to do with it (laughs) so look i mean it's definitely a reason i mean in in our organization we we actually intentionally on purpose hire people and stuff them in service design that do think pretty pretty differently because as you said it is a balance we need to make sure that we're dealing with high energy, high intelligent people that can go out there and do the work and get it in the hands of people as fast as possible. But we also want to make sure that we've got kind of our gatekeepers a little bit to make sure that they're going to protect us and protect the organization, protect the brand against, you know, X, Y, Z. So design and uh, proposal and peer-to-peer review, you are talking commercials, you are talking prices and and estimates and all that, don't get me wrong, but you're also talking language, right? And so depending on the peer-to-peer process that you have, or, you know, in general, what kind of proposal that you have, um, peer-to-peer is extremely important. And, and I'll also tell you, Josh, it's a whole lot easier than having a very, very formal managerial review process. Um, peer-to-peer gets them kind of working as a team a little bit more eye-to-eye than it does, hey, send it to my boss and let me have him look at it. Th- that, that's when you start getting into micromanagement and, and, and whatnot, which is just not a healthy thing in my personal opinion. Yeah. I mean, you get into micromanagement, you get into delays and in sending it bottlenecks. I mean, I know like that same manager that, that delays it is also wondering why the deal's not closed. Right. It's like, exactly. well, you know, Good point. You didn't look at it for three days, man. Like yeah, what happened know? to our pipeline? Uh, it's sitting in your inbox. That's what's right. happening. <laughs> yeah. So there's all kinds of other challenges that come up with, with the routing of those and, and overcomplicating it. So 100%. what are some solutions? What are some ways that we can get proposals and documents out as sales reps with less errors, still efficiently, you know, what are some ways we can go with this? Yeah. Well, well number one, um, establishing, you know, how you're going to do it is, is really important because if you have, I'll send it to that manager. Let me know if you, let's send it back to the salesperson. Let's see if they like it. I would say that number one, you definitely need to establish something formal, um, whether it's a peer to peer or a managerial approval or a, whatever the thing is. So that's number one. Number two, I would say we have to instill a culture of accuracy and quality. You have to understand that quality versus speed balance, and you have to make those equally important. So when you bring, you know, the entire group in, whether you're coaching or training or educating, you know, it's really important that we say, look, guys and girls, this is a very real fact. The fact is that people tend to buy from people that get their proposals back quicker. That's a general statement. So you go, okay, got it. I need to get a proposal in the customer's hands quick. And then you can say, here's another fact. People tend to shy away from people who don't understand what the job is. (laughs) And then you're like, okay, so I need to 
create this culture of urgency around accuracy. And so I think first and foremost, after you've established something formal, Josh, I think you really need to make sure that you're instilling this culture of accuracy and quality and making sure that they take both of them equally important. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you you hinted on it earlier of like hiring different people with a different mindset. And I know like in, in personality assessments, uh, fast is the opposite of methodical, right? They're on different ends of the spectrum. So you have to balance that out and look at, you know, how do we keep that quality up? Fast goes to the person that's more methodical and asks for our approval. Like mm-hmm. I know in my case, when I go in and create proposals or SOWs or anything else, I send it to a specific person on my team and say, hey, you know, can I get this just reviewed in this amount of time? And almost always, you know, it's a balance because we've almost always, I get some sort of feedback, right. That's going to enhance it and make it better. But we've also already had the conversation of here is the intent of that, like spell check errors, anything that just doesn't make sense, you know, or, or, or was out of place because, you know, in the proposal document, it should have been replaced and it wasn't copied and pasted correctly. Yeah. You know, it's not a re-review this and question everything in it that, that holds up the whole process, unless there's a, a good reason for that. Yeah. So like you said, you, you have that conversation ahead of time and say, what are we trying to do with this peer review process? When do you need it? You know, there's a, a bit of a, um, a system to it. Yes, exactly. And, um, and let me ask you a question. Have you gone as far on your side or in, your, in, in, in history on either uh, templating or productizing some things a little bit easier? So I guess at the end of the day, that peer-to-peer approval um, becomes a little bit easier. So maybe now, you, you know, there, there's a very tough process. It's very manual because of how customized things are. One of the things that we've done is templated, you know, some statements yeah. of work. Some Have you done that on your side? And do you see the value in that? Yeah, all of it's templated. You know, we have things that we can substitute in. So we know, okay, you know, three out of every 10 proposals that go out, somebody asks about this clause. Here's the other option for that SOW clause. Or from a proposal perspective, we have some some pretty standard proposals and formats that say, here's the format. Here's where you sub in the logo. Here's what we're looking for you to type in this section. You know, so that cuts down on a lot of the time very quickly because we just duplicate and move forward. Yeah. A lot of those CPQ tools, the the yep. Panda doc type tools. Um, I would definitely recommend, you know, if you're listening out there to, to, to go look at some of those, because if you've got one of those where you're, you're seeing that it, it that, that requotes and revisions, and this is just taking up so much time and so many delays in terms of getting into the customer's hands on something real protective and something that they can really execute on and, and, and sign off on. Well, then you might want to look at, you know, like we're talking about here, something that you can make a normal, repeatable process, you know, have your standard notes and assumptions, your standard client responsibilities, your responsibilities, whatever it is. And so, you know, there's a lot of tools out there that you can simply do a drop down on. You can select something. And when you select that specific product or service, well, a bunch of, you know, notes and assumptions and responsibilities auto-populate out of, out of everywhere. So when it does come all the way back to the peer-to-peer review, it's something that they've seen before. And that's really something that I think speeds up the process. So Josh, have you ever, um, this isn't something that we've done on our side too. Have you ever uh, incentivized the service design or the quoting or the pricing desk on anything? It could be uh, deals closed. It could be revenues, margins. It could be the, uh, have you ever incentivized? Cause I do have one thought. 
I don't think I've ever incentivized them like a sales team in yeah. order to, you know, when I think about that, it's like, what, what organizations have we worked with that has a sales operations team? Mm. And are they incentivized like the sales management or like the salespeople to share in the commission? Yeah. I, I would say maybe I've seen it before, but I haven't been part of, you know, what yeah. are they getting incentivized on? Are they, are they getting incentivized on the speed to quote or anything like that? What, what are yeah. your thoughts? Well, if you, as long as you have the data, right? As long as you have the data um, and it's very important that you do to make sure when you send out a proposal, if the rep um, submits quote unquote, I'm using air quotes, if they resubmit a quote request over and over and over again, and then you've got V1, V2, V3, et cetera, you should have a lot of the data in there, then correlate that to how many, you know, close deals that you have. So uh, number one, if you have the data uh, in your internal review as a sales leader, when you're looking at ways to improve, we have done that. We have done some incentives on the amount of requote requests that our customers give us. And if that number goes down, then their, their, their next review, their, their incentive goes up. Now the incentive could be a, a lot of different things. It could be, you know, uh, comp based bonus based, you know, uh, potentially contribute to an increase in their salary down the road. But we always bring that in to instill that idea of accuracy and quality that we're talking about. If the customer signs off on it the first time that's better for us right better for the organization better for sales so what's one good way to do that well you incentivize your people that are drafting those proposals to make sure that it that it when you send it out there that it sticks or that it is exactly what they're looking for until of course a change is required then that is what it is Uh, but as long as you get it in their hands as fast as possible one of the solutions that i've found that, that that works pretty well is incentivizing the pricing desk on the requote numbers. Yeah, and I think another thing that helps them get to that point is what I call like scope narrowing. So training the sales rep on a method that helps them narrow the scope before they do the most amount of work. So like I've seen it in the past and I had it happen to me and and that's why I came up with a scope narrowing concept where we would talk to somebody, a sales rep would talk to somebody and we'd go, okay, we know, we think we know what they want. Let's go build on an SOW and engage the engineering team. And we build out this whole SOW and we go to them and it's like, ah, it's kind of right. You know, that's kind Mm -hmm. of the direction or, you know, whatever else it might be. And what we started doing instead was instead of going straight to an SOW, we do a proposal and the proposal captures the or situations. Like we talked about this, you can do this or this, Mm. you know, and oftentimes it's, you know, we talked about this or this. Here's the general cost. And what we did was we bucketed costs. So we would say, you know, our typical integration, you know, developing an integration to a CRM is two to four weeks. And this is what that number looks like. Do you want that in there or not? You know, is that integration that important? Mm-hmm. And, and so what we did was we came up with these buckets and we would do a proposal and then we would present that proposal and say, okay, what on here is is out of place, which ones do you think you want to go with? Which ones do you want to hold off on? You know, and I think it's the same thing. Like, let's say you're in IT services. It's, do you want this wireless system or this wireless system? Here's the mm. two, here's the two opposite ends of the spectrum. You got your Meraki and you got your like Amazon order off the shelf Wi-Fi, you know, package. And yeah. so you can go to those and narrow that down as a sales rep before you engage that team. So you have this scope narrowing process, which means that when you engage others, it's that much more accurate. They've already seen some general numbers and some packaging and, you know, it saves a ton of time on everybody else's part. Yep. 
Yep. I, I, I totally understand. And, and I think everybody out there that's listening is always curious, well, should be, in my opinion, always curious on ways. How do we get into a culture of continuous improvement? How do we continue to get better? And when it comes to this specific idea that we're talking about on the challenge of proposals going out with errors, that's definitely a place that you want to that you want to look into because naturally a lot of it comes down to perception. Client's going to look at something and they're going to be impressed maybe at the speed you can turn it around, but I don't think they're going to want to, you know, risk a massively important project just based on how quickly you turn it around. It needs to make sure that it's got equal amounts of accuracy in it. We understand that people get busy. They rush things out with review. We understand some of it comes down to the personality type. And, and we understand that there is a big effort to get into the client's hands more quickly. So I think, Josh, we've left them with some pretty good solutions here, you know, that we need to, you know, maintain the education and the importance and the urgency around accuracy and quality, um, establish some formal process. I like your example. You've got one person that, that looks at it each time to make sure that, it, you know, whether it's grammatical or, or what have you, it's just very important possible in- incentives um, and I want to leave everybody with that that possible idea a hack to take away how can you incentivize your team who provides those quotes um, how can you incentivize them if and when the client uh, signs it quickly or that it sticks or, or some, something in that regard and then of course just some general takeaways anybody that wants to look into this a little bit heavier some ideas around CPQ tools um, standardizing, templated, some things. Again, just to make that part of it a little bit easier. I think we've given them some good hacks today, Josh. Yeah, definitely. So the final question for you is, how are you ensuring that your prospects get the highest quality proposal the first time? And this has been Purpose Driven Sales with Barnes & Sweeney. Now go lead on purpose. Thank you for joining us on the Purpose Driven Sales Podcast. If you've enjoyed the content, the best thing you can do to support us is go out to iTunes and give us five stars so that we can continue to reach more sales leaders.